Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. You really, I want you to know that um, we, we, um, we, we work this between the two campuses. So um, uh, uh, we, we, we seek to sense God. We seek to sense what God is uh, laying into the church. Uh, we want to, to have a relevant word. We want a word that will speak to people that aren't yet Christians. Um, we want a word for people that have been thousands of times to church. And we want you to feel that God has fed you, ministered to you. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's reading the word of God on your own, of course. It's listening to uh, different uh, aspects of how we can receive the word in this modern day. But I still believe there's something very powerful and unique about coming together, as Paul has encouraged us this morning, as the local church, to praise God, to lift up his name, to create an avenue for God's presence, to remember him this morning, a powerful time as we remember, and then to hear something of what he wants to say. So I want you to know that we crisscross this across the church. It's not like Ilkeson are getting something Mansfield on. We minister across. Last week, Josh Turner's here ministering on the fruit of faithfulness. I'm in Ilkeston, ministering on the fruit of faithfulness. This morning, Christians in Ilkeston speaking on the last message, I'm here. So we're working it together. We're believing that God will minister to us as we do so. So Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 22 to 23 again, uh, where uh, uh, in the, and I'll particularly reference it this morning, In the context of Galatians 5, God is speaking about the flesh. When I talk about the flesh, not talking about this, he's talking about that inward bias in you to do wrong and the spirit. And the more we walk in the spirit and respond to the spirit, the less we we are biased towards the flesh. It's the journey of increasingly becoming Christ-like. And God gives us in the Bible a list of the works of the flesh. It's not an exhaustive list. But it's a list that we see outworked in 21st century world. It's a list that we see outworked in Mansfield and Ilkeston and across this area. And then we get to verse 22. It says, but or however, the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. It's a complete opposite and what we've been doing over the last few weeks has been encouraging us to seek to respond to this particular challenge that we are not only a disciple a decision that receives Jesus at the end of the meeting today before we finish before we move on to growth trap before we go for coffee I will give an opportunity for anybody that's never received Jesus to do so we determine every week in Arena Mansfield, whatever the subject matter, we're giving people opportunity to come to Jesus. And it starts there. I want to tell you that I'm amazed at what God does. We're simply sometimes starting there. I could spend the next 30 minutes and longer giving you story after story after story of people that simply started there and God has completely changed their lives. He's given them a sure foundation to build on Paul and he's completely changed them. It's what we call the redemptive story. God brings us back and then uses us for his purpose. It's why in Arena Church, we believe that it's not only to know God, but it's to find freedom, it's to discover our purpose. And then God wants to use you to make a difference. You'll reach people this week and speak, I'll never reach. 
And God wants you to be saved and changed. Not only a decision to receive Jesus, but also to become a disciple that follows Jesus. That word disciple simply means a learning follower. We've all still got the L plates on. We're all, in terms of the original language of the New Testament, people that respond to matites, learners. We're all still developing. Nobody's arrived. The pastors, the ministry team, the leader of the service, we're all on a journey. And here's God's heart for every one of us. John 15, 18. Some of the scriptures will come on the screen. This one won't. But John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. God wants you and I to be incredibly fruitful. We had an apple tree in our garden. Don't run away with the fact that we've got a great big garden. We haven't, but we had an apple tree. And it stopped being fruitful. Uh, and we got somebody in that said they knew about trees and he made it worse. And uh, so eventually we got a, a proper arboreist in. And guess what happened? It was that fateful day. It's gone. It's gone. And in John 15, Jesus says, I'll keep pruning the stuff that's no good. I'll keep pruning it, pruning it, pruning it. You walk into church sometimes and think, God was on my case this morning. You bet he was. He's pruning, 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 pruning. Because his passion for you is that you will be fruitful, fruitful for him. And so we go on this journey. It's not self-effort. It's not self-motivation. It's not a self-help book. It's the Spirit of God in us, in his capacity as the Spirit of Christ, working out his life, the life of Jesus in us. Now then, it needs submission. We yield to Jesus. We yield to his lordship. And it needs cooperation. We partner with Jesus on this journey. You see, even as a Christian, God's not taken away our self-will. We can still rebuff him. We can still push back. We can still say, well, I only want to give 40% of my life to you. I want to keep the rest. But we get the best from God when we totally yield to him and allow him to have all of our lives. A.W. Tozer, a great prophet of the last century, says everybody is as holy, as fruitful as they want to be. And the question over this series, friends, is how much do we want to yield to Jesus to really allow his fruit to be at work in our life. And so answer the question, not only in our public persona, but in our private world, who are you really? Who are you really? Now, as I've already said, there's a great contrast between the works of the flesh and the works of the spirit. And it's particularly pertinent this morning because the last fruit that we're going to talk about is self-control. Self-control. It says in those verses, verse 17, that the flesh does what is contrary to the Spirit. And so this morning, I'm going to be encouraging us to live self-controlled lives as we yield to Jesus. Now, we live in a world where there's no control lives. You don't have to look far to find it. There's people, friends, that give the impression they're like a juggernaut with no brakes and no driver. And you know if that's coming down a hill towards you, we have a problem. If you live your life with no brakes on, with no guidance, with no direction, 
charging ahead, no self-control, you are heading for trouble. Now, in some of the older translations of the Bible, it's got the word temperance there. Temperance. Some of you may have that in in the word. I want to just talk for a moment about temperance because um, it was a prophetic move that started in the 19th century. It, It has a connection to helping people avoid the abuse of alcohol and you may have seen temperance halls in some towns and cities. They've now become something else, selling carpets or whatever. But all those years ago, 150, 160 years ago, it's a prophetic move. God was using the church to speak to the ills of society. And passionate people rose up and said, we want to help these folks that have got no self-control in this area. 1826 in Tennessee, the first temperance society or meeting started And uh, it was an incredible growth spurt that saw in the next 12 years, 8,000 groups emerge and 1.5 million people become members. Who knows that's a move of God? Because they were seeking to speak into a situation that was hurting people's lives. I don't want to go into the thing this morning about, about drink. Let me simply say that, you know, uh, people are still get very passionate about trying to force an argument. I think the Bible takes a, a view that is not teaching abstinence, but it is teaching temperance. It is teaching self-control because in the list prior to the fruit of the Spirit, it says drunkenness is a work of the flesh and such people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Our youth leaders will tell you sometimes that, you know, they've, they've had to sort of guide young people when in a moment of, of sort of... Uh, of uh, Almost madness, you know, they put on Facebook as believers going out tonight to get absolutely hammered. You know, it's not the heart of God. It's not the heart of God. When you are inebriated, out of control, you say things you don't mean, you make promises you can't keep, and you regret things the following day. So it's self-control. And it's so important. So um, we work it. What I'm trying to say is that the, the application is wider than temperance. Don't just go there this morning. In fact, the, in the original language of the New Testament, the word is entratia, which means a strength of character. A strength of character. And uh, by God's grace this morning, God will dig a little bit deeper into all of our lives. Now, what about this society? What about the United Kingdom, living in a day of uncontrol. One of the words that we use that originates from ancient Greece is hedonistic. We live with an hedonistic attitude. It means the pursuit of pleasure and self-indulgence. Eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow you will die. I'm not bothered about this Jesus thing. I'm not bothered about God. I'm just going to enjoy myself. I want to tell you, friends, it's such a shallow approach to life. It's breathtaking. There's so much more. There's so much more. And people last night went out and enjoyed themselves. I'm not saying they didn't enjoy themselves, by the way. You know, I'm not sitting there, poor folks saying they didn't have a good time. There wasn't a good atmosphere. In fact, some folks find a better atmosphere in the pub than some churches they've been to. But the reality is, friends, there were many people that went to bed last night that said this. If there's a God... Because they realized that whatever the vacuum they were trying to fill, it's not working. 
And you need to realise across Mansfield, there are people praying that prayer. And Paul was encouraging us in the prayer, uh, in the pre-church service prayer meeting to realise there's more. I want to tell you, I'm pumped. There's so much more. I'm telling you, God is going to continue to draw people to this place. I'm telling you, those chairs are going to go back to where Chris and Andy are sitting. No doubt in Jesus' name, because people are crying out and God is going to answer. God is going to answer. Now, you know that I like a stat or two, so here we go. In 2016-17, in the United Kingdom, there were 337 admissions to accident in emergency that were alcohol-related. And those of you that were down there on a Saturday night or have had to police down there or be security down there know it's lively. Go to King's Mill on Saturday night, go to Queen's Medical. Woo! It's all kicking off. I mean, you'll only have to wait about 27 hours to see a doctor because of that many people there. No control. Last year, in this country, over 3 million people took a drug. No control. Forgive me for saying this, but I'm going to come back to it in a moment. Last year, there were 422,000 sexually transmitted diseases in this country. No control. And last year, friends, there were 43,000 people registered as problem gamblers, and our national debt is £1.7 trillion. I haven't got enough room on the board to put all the notes on. No control. Oh, I'm fed up. Let's go on holiday. Let's go on holiday to, to Costa del Sol. Well, we ain't got any money. Well, we'll be... no, let's buy a new car. I mean, how many people are going to buy a sofa? Because DFS said we need one for Christmas. I mean, that flipping advert on the telly does my head in. I'm saying to Sharon, we don't need a new sofa for Christmas. The one, but no control, you see. Trying to feed something that's empty, empty, empty. No control. Please hear me this morning. I'm not talking about legalism. This church is not a legalistic church. I am not talking about judgmentalism. There'll be nuances of opinion in this room and we give room for that in arena church. The church I grew up in, never mind about drinking, there used to be a pub up the road called The Rose and it used to have an off licence and you walked in this way, you sort of got your... and you walked out that way. You'd only got to go in there for a bag of crisps and a bottle of dandelion and burdock and the pastor wanted to know why you'd gone near the place. We don't live there. Christian and me are not a secret police force going out on Saturday night saying, hey, whoa. Because those that are led by the Spirit keep in step with the Spirit. There are things that you feel that you can go to. There may be things that you've got to walk away from. And God will help you. So we're not into legalism. We're not into judgmentalism. We're not into drabness. We're not into being po-faced. We're into joy and blessing. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. But we are into a self-controlled, Christ-honoring life. And in the moments that we've got left, I want to mention three things. Most theologians believe that we are tripartite in nature. That is body, soul, and spirit. And I want to mention those three areas very briefly this morning to encourage us to realize that when we continually give ourselves to the fruit of self-control, listen, you will know incredible liberty in your life. You re- you'll be so free to live for Jesus. It will be amazing.
So number one, the body. The body. And Chris is going to put uh, some scriptures up. And uh, so you might, if you want to take a photograph of them, if you don't want to write them down, feel free. Um, it'll cost you 15 pounds after. But no, but... <laughs> but please, uh, they're there just to help you. Uh, the body. Now, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, the Apostle Paul is using the illustration of the runner disciplining himself in training that he may wear, win the crown. Now, I'm a, I'm a guy that's always en- enjoyed that. So I love the psychology of sport. I love reading behind things. I, lo- I love reading about how people prepare uh, to do amazing deeds. And even though I, 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 like, I like reading about different people, I came across some old notes. I did a, I did a leader's article a few years ago, and it was re- re- about a, 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 a lady from this town, Rebecca Adlington. Uh, so she grew up in this town, and uh, the swimming pool still across near Woodhouse is named after her. And uh, Rebecca's gone on to have a good broadcasting career. But in, in, in the Beijing Olympics, Rebecca Adlington from the town of Mansfield won two Olympic gold medals. Amazing. Uh, long distance, 800 metres and, and uh, 1600 meters, uh, 1,500 metres. And you say, well, so what? Well, you look at the history of how many Olympic gold medals we've won in swimming. It's not many. Uh, there was David Wilkie. There was uh, the guy who's uh, Duncan Goodyear. You remember him? The, the guy with all his hair had fallen out at a young age. Very, very few. It was an amazing achievement. And then I read about a training regime. So she travelled from Mansfield every morning. At, um, she travelled from Mansfield every morning. She was up at five. She went down to the Nottingham University swimming pool. And between six and eight, she swam seven to 8,000 metres. And then she came home and had some lunch and rest. And then at, at three o'clock, she went back to the university swimming pool between four and seven for more swimming and circuit training. You know how swimmers, they, they're up, it's all here. Even, forget, even the women, you know, it's, it's, it's here because cause it's all there. And so circuit training. And then she got home for 10 o'clock and went to bed. And six days a week, I was talking to Philip and Zelia, who took on quite a challenge of running early in the year. And within a mile, some people were walking. Because to run 13 miles is 30,000 steps. And to run it is a long way. And if you've not prepared, if you've not put the training in, you're going to have to walk it because you're never going to be able to run. What am I trying to say? As in the natural, so in the spiritual. I want to get close to God. I want to be used of the Lord. I want to see people healed. You've got to put some training in. My question this morning is, if I said to you, what is your devotional journey at the moment? What do you read? Oh, uh, oh, it was Psalm 23 again. It blesses me. It's got to be more than that. You know, it's got to be, we've got to have a plan. They have a training regime. Hey, guess what? Sometimes you don't feel like reading the Bible. You've been too busy. And, uh, you know, I told you that one, a couple of years ago, I read the Bible through on, uh, on the, uh, the, the, uh, the app that they encourage you to, you version. And I tell you, it's weird. Because you miss a couple of days, you get an email from them. Yeah. Saying, we note, we note that you have not read. I'm telling you. 
But what is your plan? And if you say, oh, I've, I've messed up this year. What's your plan for 2019? My plan this year was to read the New Testament through. I've got a plan. It was a Charles Swindell reading plan. We've got Sue Buckley doing the Bible readings for Arena. She'll give you a plan. Praying. I fell asleep when I prayed. This phone always pings when I'm trying to pray. You know, there's all sorts of things that come away. But pressing into praying, being in church this morning is a discipline. You know, we've got the rest of the day, but we've come this morning. The kids have grown horns. They've seen particularly cranky this morning. They didn't want to go, but you've come, you've come, you've come. I'm telling you, out of that discipline, out of that self-control, God begins to work in your life. For me to be sharp this morning, to minister, to have the privilege of ministering, I need to say sharp personally, personally. So the body, and here's the truth. Um, right since the first century, there's been an error that says what you believe internally in your spirit doesn't have to align with how you live in your body. That is wrong. The whole of the epistle of John was written to counteract that. It's called Gnosticism. In other words, all matter is evil, so it doesn't matter as long as you keep, in quotes, your spirit pure. It's wrong. There's an alignment, friends. We are body soul and spirit. Let me just briefly say we need to be self-controlled in our social behavior. 1 Corinthians 10, it says all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And I will not seek my own goods at the expense of others. So God's given us amazing freedom in this Christian life. And sometimes you just have to sense what he's saying to rein it in. What if you're going out with a meal with somebody that's been on the wagon? Because that was a problem in their lives. And you're, well, I'm all right. You know, he needs to sort himself out. Maybe that night you just need to pull it back in and be self-controlled and allow that person to come to the maturity of their own journey. Someone said in ministry in arena recently, sometimes we have to let go of others for a season. Now, please hear this. I am not suggesting, as some of our churches have in the past, that in our call for separation, we become uh, committed to isolation. We want you to have non-Christian friends. We want you to find contexts that aren't just church. We want you to relate to sports clubs and learning environments where people aren't believers that are asking you questions. You can shove your Jesus. I'm not bothered. Those sorts of environments where we can find ourselves. But sometimes you're going to have to extricate yourselves from them. Talking to a friend of mine once that did a lot of traveling into Europe and he was invited. He was in Finland. He was in Helsinki. And he was invited to a whining and dining night as they were networking. All of a sudden he realized he was in a brothel. Because um, that was where they were doing oh, the business. It, you know. Now what did he do as a Christian? He politely and kindly said, you know what, I don't think I ought to be here. Uh, guys, uh, I'm going to make my way back to the hotel. See you tomorrow morning. Thank you. You have to do anything. You have to start preaching, ranting, raving. Self-control. He's married. He's got a wife. He's got kids. Didn't want to go to a place that would compromise him. And then self-controlled in our sexual behavior. People said to me, I want to know the will of God. Well, let me quote 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 to you. This is the will of God that you avoid sexual 
immorality. It's the will of God. It's the, will. the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.20 that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, honour God with your body. Not time to develop this this morning, friends, and it's, it's, not, the, it's not the context for it. But simply to say that the gift of sex is from God. And he's given us a very clear, defined context for it to be outworked. He said, come off it, Phil. The old quote nowadays, this is the 21st century. Well, my Bible says the Bible endures forever. And this is the word of the Lord preached unto you. And you lack self-control in this area, seemingly expressing love to people. You'll only do one thing, you'll hurt them and you'll hurt yourself. Let's, let's be unashamed to teach our kids the right way. In all the peer pressures they face, in all the nonsense that they have to come across, let's encourage them. Let's, by God's grace, do it ourselves. Men, we're confronted with thousands of images every week. I'm on my mobile sometimes because of the advertising. I'm, I'm, I've got a nice, innocent thing. And all of a sudden, boom. It can take me somewhere. But self-control. And then self-controlled in our speaking behavior. James 3.10 says, Out of the mouth comes praise and cursing, or praise and swearing. Comma, this should not be. And in James 3, it talks about the power of the tongue. And it talks about how little things can have a big, big impact. It talks about the, uh, <clears throat> the little snake bites that can have an incredible poisonous effect in the body. It talks about the, the, the fire. You remember that fire across on the Peak District at, at Saddleworth Moor this year? Somebody just thrown a fag or whatever. And then it talks about the rudder on the ship. These huge ships. And they just see, in other words, a little word can have a massive impact. And we've all been on the end of little words that have impacted us deeply. We live in a world where everybody's right, where everybody's got to have the rasp word, where they can use anonymously, on, anonymously social media to say things to us. You need to guard your heart and also guard your speech. The Bible says, bridle your tongue, bite your tongue. I'm going to... And if you get it wrong, and sometimes I get it wrong. Say sorry. Say sorry. If you get it wrong in your family, put it right quickly. If you get it wrong in the church, put it right quickly. Self-control. Briefly, self-control in the soul. You see, what we're talking about here is emotions. God has given us feelings. This is what used to be said when people became Christians. It's not about feelings, it's about faith. All right. So every time we feel something, we feel guilty. God has made us soulish. He has made us with emotion. It is not something to be denied, but it is not something to be determined by. You see, forgive me, I'm going to use a football illustration for a moment. We can get emotional about something trivial. See, what I love about sport is at the end of the day, it doesn't mean a job. It really doesn't. And yet in that moment, it meant a job for Paul yesterday until Tyler Walker got that equalising goal in the last minute. Let me tell But in the great scheme of things, it was trivial. But then last week, for the hundredth time, a helicopter took off from the King Power Stadium in Leicester. 
and barely got a few yards and five people rushed into eternity. He brought out a different feeling. And I'm watching them Leicester, that Leicester squad in the corner of the ground yesterday clapping them fans. And I have to say, fans, I, I, the Yankee was out. Because there was a feeling expressed. We have people here that have navigated bereavement, disappointment, tragedy, difficulty. And to deny your feelings is crass. It's crazy for, the, for me to, well, come and pull yourself together. You've got to navigate it. You've got to navigate it. But with self-control, you will discipline your soul and not be determined by it. Otherwise, you're going to be a roller coaster. I'm going to take my world for Jesus this week. And next week, you feel backslidden. Everybody's got to keep... You know, God wants us in the feelings to have a constancy of faith. And there in Psalm 34... The psalmist David is having to feign being a madman because he's found in Philistine company and his life was in peril. But he said, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. And thirdly, spirit. If you like our God consciousness, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that before we came to Jesus, we were dead. Dead. What are you about dead? I feel alive. I'm, I'm... Yep, yep, I'm all, no, I'm on about dead internally, dead in your spirit. Why are these people putting their hands up? Why are folks getting pumped about Jesus? Why are people giving the gift of music? All those questions when you first came to church, I don't get it. And then Jesus came into your life and you got it because you came alive to him. The, the older translations of the Bible say you were quickened. Whoa. The Bible word is regeneration. You are made alive. You'll go around some of the outskirts of Mansfield and, say, and see that this is a regeneration project. For whatever re- reason, heavy industry of another generation has called a deadness to come. And so government authorities are regenerating, creating new industries. Well, it's a poor illustration against what God's done for us in Jesus Christ but he's made us alive. And here, as we come to uh, a seasonal time of the year, we get just the opening of what is known as the Magnificat from Jesus' mother, Jesus. My spirit rejoices in God, my saviour. Sometimes you'll come to church and you don't feel that you want your spirit to rejoice in God. How many of us have found that as we press in, as we begin to praise the Lord, as we begin to sing in another language, as we begin to declare that something begins to shift because we've exercised self-control within our spirits. Three verses to close. Firstly, Proverbs 25, 28, like a city whose walls are broken down, this is a generic term, ladies, is a man who lacks self-control. Broken down walls in the uh, Bible were very symbolic of the displeasure of God. We've got a whole story about Nehemiah getting pumped about building a wall. So what? Well, because of the disgrace of God was on the city. And when he heard the news, he wept, he mourned, he fasted, he prayed. He said, I've got to go and do something. And what a story it is of leadership particularly. So if someone that lacks self-control, people are just careering into your life. Things are just coming into your life. This last week, friends, and I'm going to try and avoid mentioning the word, but people have lacked so much self-control, inviting the powers of darkness to just come into their lives and then wondering why they're depressed. 
Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks control. 2 Timothy 1.7, this is a promise to somebody this morning. This is the rhema word to somebody this morning. God has not given you a spirit of timidity or fear, but he has given you a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control or discipline. It's a word to somebody this morning. Timothy, leading the Ephesus church in his 30s, timid, uh, insecure about his youth. Let no man despise your youth. Health issues. Take a little wine for your stomach. Say, lots of issues in his life. And Paul prophesies over him, Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of timidity, but he has given you a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. I speak that into somebody's life this morning. I ask you right now to let fear go in Jesus' name and to be the man and woman that God has called you to be in Jesus' name. And the last verse is this. It's from the message. And... uh, Poignantly, Eugene Peterson that wrote the message a few days ago went to glory. Uh, I'm only finding out, friends, that his formative years were in a Pentecostal church. And uh, his family testified to the fact that as he slipped into eternity, he was speaking in other tongues as he worshipped the Lord and gave him praise. 30 years, the pastor of a Presbyterian church, great writer, great author, great intellect. And God gave him a vision to write Uh, in a language that perhaps helps us at times understand some of the difficult passages of the Bible, he gave us this. And so here we are. When God is personally present, right at the end of 2 Corinthians 3, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. It's called religion. We're free of all of it, all of us. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah. A bit more to come. Our lives become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. That word transformed in the original language is the word metamorphosis. The the, uh, incredible changing power of God. The ugly caterpillar becoming the beautiful free butterfly to enjoy the freedom of the purposes of God. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, friends of Arena Church Mansfield, the passionate question over these weeks is, who are you really? May every one of us, wherever we are on the faith journey, whether it's beginning it today or many years down the line, ask that Jesus, by his Spirit, will continually help us to change so that we might bear much fruit. Let's pray.